What do smart women get out of Instagram? There is this sort of idea out there that once you have children, your past life disappears and you're now only a mum. And I think, you know, sometimes people talk down to mums. Today on Feed, Play, Love, influencer and former political journalist Lauren Dubois talks about why she puts so much work into her account and what she gets back. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. What do political journalism and parenthood have in common? I don't know the answer to that, but maybe my next guest does. Lauren Dubois is a former political journalist. She's the author of You Will Probably Survive and is a mum of three. She also has a huge following on Instagram for her hilarious and insightful posts on parenting. Lauren, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Thank you very much, Siobhan. That was a lovely introduction. It's nice to see you again, even if it's online. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So I guess that is my first question. Are there any similarities between political journalism and I had written parenthood, but essentially what you're doing is writing about parenthood all the time. So it, they're, they're both uh, forms of writing. <laughs> is there any similarities between the two? You know what? There is in a way because one of the things that I really loved doing as a political journalist was making politics accessible to everybody. It it, it always really bothered me that political content was always quite you know, not highbrow, but it was written for people who already knew a lot about politics. And it was written for other journalists, basically, because they're the only people that understood what was going on. (laughs) Because most other people have lives and they don't care as much (laughs) as political journalists. So I, something that I was very passionate about was making that content accessible for everyday people. And, and I think I was actually quite good at that. So when it came to parenthood, I, it was the same thing. I just wanted to talk about parenthood in a way that was accessible to everybody um, and not that sort of, you know, that sanctimonious, (laughs) this is how motherhood should be and, you know, I'm such a good mum and just to make it more real life. And and I know that a lot of people already do that, um, but that was just the style that I have always really enjoyed and the style that makes me feel like I'm I'm helping in a way. That might sound a little bit wanky, but <laughs> I like to feel like things that I write about maybe help mums, especially newer mums, um, because I, I struggled as a new mum. And so I really hope that sometimes newer mums can read my stuff and, and feel like they're not, you know, they're not alone. Yeah. For me, what stands out about your writing is that it's good writing? That's mean. I know there's there's, there's lots of, um, I mean, I meant to say that you come to it with a, a real profession and um, you're a wordsmith, which I think is, I wonder how much difference that makes to people following you because you, everyone can put a stream of consciousness down, but it often feels like you've really thought through what you've written, how you've written it, the words you've chosen. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if that makes a difference. I mean, you probably can't say. But. Oh, well, that's a really lovely compliment. And thank you for that. It, it means a lot to me. And, um, and I think it does make a difference for a, a certain type of mum, a certain type of mum who sort of feels like just because I'm a mum now, 
doesn't mean I'm an idiot. <laughs> yes. Doesn't mean I've lost all of my brain cells. Doesn't mean I, I'm suddenly only interested in pooing nappies and stuff like that. And I, and I get that feedback a lot from mums. I have, I'm lucky. Um, I have gathered an audience of very intelligent, witty, they make me laugh all the time, educated, successful women who just happen to have children. And, and I think that there is this sort of idea out there that once you have children, your past life disappears and you're now only a mum. And I think, you know, sometimes people talk down to mums and they, they sort of think that mums only expect you know, this, but maybe they, they appreciate a bit of this. But also I love writing. I love it. It makes me happy. It's, it's something that I feel like I'm good at. And sometimes when I feel like I'm not very good at motherhood, <laughs> I think, well, if I can write about it well, it almost evens that out a little bit. Like I haven't completely failed today because it might have been a rubbish day with the kids, but I could write about it in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I mean, you did start writing um, about parenting things main, mainly with your blog, The Thud. Yeah. And I'm wondering when you, at what point did you decide, okay, now I'm going to put my energy into Instagram and I'm only saying this, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you started it with, I mean, you can't do both, right? I mean, maybe you can copy and paste. I mean, some people can do both, but I'm just not able to, just not. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of content. Um, And it's, and it is interesting because way back when blogs were the thing, that's how people connected, right? And that's how, yeah. um, I guess, the ones that were aimed at parenting, that's where mothers found the community. But then that changed to Instagram. And see, I'm Gen X, so I can look back on the last 20 years and say, you know what? This shit has changed. <laughs> A lot has changed. And uh, even my eldest is 10 now. So even 10 years ago, how we connected with our fellow parents was different then. How do you reflect on that change? I mean, was it very conscious for you? Did you notice, okay, I'm going to move over to Instagram and put most of my effort there? Uh, No, it wasn't conscious. And and I'm not even sure at what point I just stopped with the blog. But I think I was actually reading something the other day that was talking about social media and and it was sort of saying that mums were some of the earliest adopters, earliest and most voracious adopters of social media because when you're a new mum, it's so isolating. And so social media was like tailor-made for mums because, you know, you're stuck at home with an infant and you're just desperate to talk to somebody or just to absorb information that isn't your baby. And so I just I just found that the audience there was was wasn't that it was bigger, but it was a lot more engaged. And I think one of the things that really changed it for me was Instagram stories because, mm. I, you know, I love writing. I still love writing. It's, it's always been about writing for me. But then I also had this other a- aspect, which was I could just be me and it, I could just have a chat and it, it was very unpolished. It didn't have to be edited. It was just like, oh, hey, it's me. And I fell in love with that because I fell in love with the two-way communication that that provided for me because a blog is very, I'll put this writing out there and there might be some comments and that's great, but stories became very much, I'm talking directly to you and they would talk directly back to me 
and and that I, I, I felt like I was building a much stronger relationship with people through that. And that has always been what I've cared about the most is the relationship I have with these mums who have followed me now for years and years and years. And, you know, I often joke, I feel like I have a PhD in motherhood because I've done like a, as like an eight year long study <laughs> on mums, like a case study. And I've had literally thousands of mums who have spoken to me every single day for over eight years now. And and I love that. I love that relationship that I have with them. So, and I and I just feel like Instagram facilitated that relationship better. When you have that connection with your audience, have you been aware of different kinds of? I, I was going to use the word zeitgeist, but it's not quite the zeitgeist. It's like different flows, different issues, different concerns in parenthood. Sometimes it feels like a, an issue will bubble to the surface, and it's it's everyone's experiencing it, but you're like, oh, how did this happen? I mean, does that happen often because you're in touch with so many different mums who would have vastly different backgrounds? Yeah, and that's actually the thing I love most about it. And I think the thing that's given me the best perspective on motherhood is that it really doesn't matter what type of mum you are or or parent. Um, Well, I do have a handful of dads, not very many (laughs) of you. Um, But one of the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that it doesn't matter. You could be, you could consider yourself an attachment parent, a, a helicopter parent, a crunchy parent. We all experience the same things. It doesn't matter what your overarching philosophy is on how you treat your children or, or how you want to raise them. Everybody deals with sleepless nights. Everybody deals with tantrums. Everybody deals with back chatting and sibling fights and. It really, there is, honestly, I, I, I remember getting a comment once. Um, I had written something on my blog, so it was many years ago, and somebody had written your know, first world problems or something, you know. And someone had responded to that and um, she had said, I live in a developing country and I am so pleased to hear that someone like Lauren deals with the exact same things I deal with, to know that it doesn't matter how much money and privilege you have, your children will still be assholes. Um, (laughs) And I loved that comment from her. It really stuck with me because it it did make me think, you know what, it's true. It, It doesn't matter what your situation is. You're still going to deal with some of the really hard parts of parenting and it can be really hard. And I find that really like a really uniting thing, you know, it, Sure, you might feed your kids different things. You might have a different bedtime routine, whatever. But we're all trying to do what we think is best by our children and our children are still going to give us a really hard time doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, I hope I'm not reading into things, but you strike me as someone who is probably a feminist. Um, (laughs) You don't need to read into that. That's very true. Honestly, (laughs) I cannot understand any women not being feminists. But anyway, continue. Yes, yes. So I'm curious if you've noticed um, certain themes with um, mothers in particular who are the majority of your followers that there is still this huge expectation that mothers will be all things to their children or to their partner, whether it's a heterosexual relationship or not. But there's this ideal of motherhood um, I know that I was surprised to feel that that still exists today. Um, 
But I'm wondering if you see that, you know, with your followers, that there's this burden that falls on women because we're women to be all things to everyone. There absolutely is, 100%. And I think um, there has been a a growing conversation over the last maybe 12 months or so of weaponized incompetence of men going, oh, I just don't know how to do that. So you should probably (laughs) do it because I'm terrible at it. Um, And it's hard sometimes because I don't know whether I've just been, you know, I've, my followers are a true representation of, of mothers everywhere, like a, you know, a sample size or whether it's a very particular kind of woman and it's probably true in that way. But I feel like women are just getting really fed up with that. I mean, I think women have always been fed up with it, but they're getting to the point now where they just won't accept it anymore. But yeah, I, like I love, I love just the the feeling of women being a lot more strong and supporting themselves and just not accepting that this is just the way it is anymore. Instagram has been around for a long time, but I still feel in many ways it's so new in terms of how we communicate, um, particularly for someone like yourself with such a large following and great content, but post all the time. And um, there's a few things with that that I'm interested in. And one is the vulnerability. So it's great that you have this amazing community that you are connecting with, but it also exposes you in a way that for the same reasons it connects you, it, it exposes you, right? So you've got great followers, but then you've probably got assholes that come on as well and say things that are hurtful and awful. And, you know, we know that women in social media get a lot more awful comments than men. And I'm wondering how you've managed that because you've got all the positives, but then you are Lauren Dubois on your own. It's not like you have a media agency protecting you from that stuff. So what's that been like? Look, I won't lie. It's been hard. And it's been, you know, it's always there. It's always there in the background. And it is especially a frustrating thing when I find myself starting to censor myself and starting to, you know, talk about safe things because I'm like, well, at least no one will attack me for this. Or or when I find myself not saying anything at all just because I know it will probably get a certain type of reaction and I'm just not prepared for it. But then again, I am sometimes the kind of person that says things on purpose to get a reaction. <laughs> like, for example, when I I, mention, I just mentioned Palestine, I mentioned that there were children that were being killed and I was saying, you know, I was asking for information about charities that I could maybe share. And I got absolutely slammed by people to talk, calling me and, and, you know, saying that I was anti-Semitic. And, and it was that huge angry reaction that made me go, um, you know what, I'm just going to talk about it more because you're trying <laughs> to silence me. You're trying to make me shut up. And I felt like a lot of my um, colleagues, call it friends on, on Instagram, were not talking about it because they were afraid of that reaction. And I was like, fuck you, as if you can tell me not to talk. There is no wonder that these people are so oppressed and so being absolutely ignored by the whole world in this horrible situation, it's because anytime anybody tries to support them, they're absolutely slammed for it. So I was like, 
I'm just that kind of person that goes, oh, surprise, you can't make me be quiet <laughs> because I'm, I'm a child sometimes. Like that. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and a similar thing happened whenever I tried to mention vaccines. You know, people oh, would wow. just pile on and that just made me want to talk about it more because I just refused to be told to shut up. Um, but apart it's from It's very this- brave though. It's very brave because it's your personal platform. I mean, Instagram is such a interesting creature, right? Because on one hand, it's it's content that you've thought about, that you've written about, that you are doing in a directed way. But on another hand, it, it's you, it's intimate, it's vulnerable, it's all of those things. So it's, it's very brave to s- s- just keep speaking about those things. Well, I... I have been doing it long enough now that I've developed ways of coping with it and I've sort of got a way of compartmentalising <laughs> compartmentalizing <laughs> things in my brain. If somebody is attacking me for talking about, you know, world issues or vaccines, or, it's I just don't take it very personally. Like that's obviously something you're super, you know, passionate about and you want to yell at somebody who's saying the opposite to you and fine, whatever. But when somebody comes at me with something very personal, that's a little different. And it's it's funny because, you know, I've had comments on, on TikTok, it seems to generate even wackier comments. Like I, really? I had a, a woman who commented on a few of my <laughs> things saying that I, I should have had my children aborted. Um, what? And it was so out there that it didn't bother me at all because I was like, you are going out of your way to say something that you've seen me, you, you, you think, oh, she's a mum. If I say this, this will really upset her. And it just didn't because I was like, oh, my God, you're a psychopath. Like that's <laughs> just <laughs> that is pretty me. crazy. But if somebody said something that was quite, sometimes it could be quite subtle, like just a sort of a backhanded compliment or something, sometimes that will affect me more than the really out there comments. So it just depends. Sometimes somebody could come at me for something and it'll really fell me and other times I'm like, mm, whatever. But it's funny, I, I feel like the majority of the ongoing criticism because people can come at me for any number of things, but then there are people who, you know, they, they call hate followers, they follow you because they hate you and they just, everything you say or every the way you breathe, the way your face moves, they hate you. Um, <laughs> So that sort of ongoing commentary, it's funny because it only comes up when I talk about things with any sort of authority. So if I'm using, if I'm displaying any sort of intelligence, that really bothers them. And that used to upset me because I was like, just let me speak, you know, because they're all like, oh, you know, Lauren thinks she's so smart or, but then I started (laughs) thinking, well, just listening to an intelligent woman really bothers you. And that's funny to me. How sad for you that, uh, you know, that listening to somebody who is educated and well-spoken and all because I, the, the way I present, obviously I was a journalist, I used to speak to camera. So when I speak to camera, I usually speak with a bit of poise, I don't know, or strength. <laughs> well, I'm not like mumbling into my camera or whatever. And so that comes across as fake or, you know, smug. I get called smug sometimes. Um, I just think, well, that's their problem, isn't it? If if it offends them to listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about, then I can't help them with that. 
<laughs> no. Um, and also, I guess the other thing with Instagram is the amount of followers you have and that relationship and how do you set boundaries around that for yourself in terms of being on top of when people are commenting? Because, of course, a official media organisation would have people monitoring the comments and possibly responding for someone. I'm, I'm assuming someone like Madonna doesn't re- respond. <laughs> not saying, Lauren, that you're not as great as Madonna. Almost, almost just saying, same, yeah. She's probably got more money than you, just saying. <laughs> Um, so they have people monitoring the comments, feeding back, all that sort of stuff. And um, I I don't know, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that what you do is pretty much a full-time job because of the quality of what you post. And it's not just the written stuff, it's the video, which I definitely want to get onto in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you, as a single person entity with three children manage that kind of vociferous beast that is Instagram? It's a lot. And I think people underestimate that, you know, p- people are obviously very dismissive of it, which I understand, you know, it's it seems like a really airy-fairy, nothing sort of thing. And then other people will, are like, well, I want to do this. How do I do it? And I have to explain to them, it's not, it's not just, oh, you just do it. It actually is. I had a I had a woman um, send me a message once. She was a careers counsellor at um, at a school, and she said that one of her students had come to her and said that they wanted to be an influencer. And so she sent me a message saying, "What sort of advice could I give her?" And I said, "Well, first of all, what a lovely careers counsellor you are that you're actually taking it seriously, and you're not just going go away. That you're actually going, okay, well, if this is what you want to do, let's find out how you do it." And I said, because she said, oh, are there any courses? And I said, well, I don't really know of any courses per se. But what I would say to her is there are a number of courses. You sh- she should be doing photography. She should be doing videography and editing. Uh, she should do writing courses. She might need to do a small business course because you need to, you know, do your taxes and, and all of that stuff all yourself. So there are a number of things that you need to be able to be good at to make it successful, it's it's not quite as easy as it looks. And then there is that thing that, you know, sometimes I feel like even my own family doesn't necessarily understand that, you know, I get on average between four and 5,000 DMs a week. Wow. And it is part of my job to respond to those. Now, I cannot. There's just no possible way <laughs> any human being can respond. <laughs> But I try my best to respond to as many as I can and sometimes it'll be like a couple of hours a day of me sitting there responding to messages as many as I can. And that looks like unpaid labour but it it is part of my job because it is important for my audience to know that I'm there and that I'm talking to them and I'm listening to them because then they are more likely to engage and support when I have paid content and it's this yeah it's this balance of I've got to put in a lot of work I've got to invest a lot of time and effort into what I put out there in order to also be able to make money doing it as well so it is a it is a full-time job I do I'm also lucky that I can do most of it at night time um so all of that sort of engagement and stuff I do yeah but mm, I don't know that means you're parenting all day and working all night so I I still you know I think that's very easy for people to say I mean it's got the flexibility great but parents who have flexibility with their work are often doing 
parenting all day and working all night. So right. I... Yeah, I feel absolutely. that that's even harder. I'm glad that you can recognise that. Thank you for pointing that out. It's true. <laughs> well, my sister's a graphic designer and um, our kids are a similar age. And all through their childhood, I have seen her stay at home with them when they're sick, be the one that takes that responsibility on. And it's not that she doesn't work. She works super hard. She just never has any downtime because, yep. because of that flexibility. Yep. So sometimes I think that... Uh, governments can throw that out, flexible workforce, and it's just not as great as it sounds. No, you're Although you do right. a, a I mean, wonderful job. My husband is away for work at the moment and he can do that because I'm at home. And, you know, as, yes. uh, sometimes a lot of people call me a stay-at-home mum and I always go, well, I'm a work-from-home mum. Um, yes. It's a bit different to being a stay-at-home mum. And sure, I am at home, but I'm also trying to work while I'm here. And Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Now, you started the THUD when your eldest was born, yeah. and I remember, I'm not sure when it was, but there was a post, it was almost like a farewell post to the THUD, yeah. in that you were saying, you know, he's now of an age where his life is his own, I mean, not to say it wasn't his own before, but, yeah. you know, this is where his digital footprint ends and, and starts his own journey. Yeah. How did you come to that place with him? Was it something he talked to you about? Was it something you just thought he's a, he's going into a certain age now? This is time he had his own privacy. What what was the? It just thinking? felt very natural to me that it. I had started to move him to the background about twelve months before I did that post, and a lot of people had noticed. They were like, "Where is he? You never talk about him anymore." And I and I was aware that people were like, "You you know you're." playing favourites with the girls. and <laughs> um, But it just felt like, you know, when kids are little, when they're babies and toddlers, you're very much a pair. You know, everything that they do affects you, everything you do affects them, you know, you're a little team. And so their stories are your stories. Everything they do is is part of your story. But also babies and toddlers are also very generic. All babies, you know, have sleep problems. All, all t t toddlers, you know, wreck the house and, you know, <laughs> yes. have feisty little personalities. And and so it it's easy to sort of say, oh, my toddler did this. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, my toddler too. And it, it doesn't feel like I'm exposing anything about them. But there, I feel like there's a point at which they sort of start school and their life becomes their life. It's not our journey anymore. It's their journey. And so much of their life suddenly is is happening without me being a witness to it, which is hard because it's like, I don't know anything that you're doing. Tell me, tell me everything about school. <laughs> um, but it also, it's also when they start to have their own thoughts and feelings, they start to have their own challenges and struggles. They start to have things that are very personal to them. They're not everybody's struggles. They're their struggles. They're not, you know, everybody's achievements. They're their achievements. And it started to just feel like it wasn't my story to tell anymore. So I started to move him to the background and eventually I just made it official so everybody knew that, you know, that they wouldn't see him. And I did explain that I would, you know, have to do a birthday post for him because that's, uh, I'm his mother and I'm allowed to boast about his <laughs> child on his birthday. Um, I'll do that until the day he dies. It's just, that's just how it's going to be. 
But I also said, you know, I can't erase him entirely if he's in the background with the other kids and stuff. He's part of our family. If there's family photos, obviously. I also said that if there was some sponsored content that he wanted to be a part of because he earns some pocket money from that, that he could be in it. But it was never going to be his personal story anymore. It wasn't going to be exposing any of his thoughts or feelings or and it's hard sometimes because sometimes he'll do really amazing, cute, funny things and I'll be like, oh, I want to <laughs> tell everybody. And I have to go, nope, 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 that's not my story to tell anymore. But, yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll start doing that again um, with my, my second daughter. She's six now and so she'll start to sort of fade away as well. And hopefully, you know, I think most people follow me for me, not necessarily my children, so hopefully <laughs> that won't bother them too much. But, um, yeah, that's just, that's just, that was my thinking on that. Before we go, I have to talk to you about Jenny. <laughs> I freaking love Jenny. It doesn't matter what you do with Jenny. It always makes me laugh. Where did she come from? How did you come up with Jenny? I honestly have no idea. I, I'm one of the person, I, I, I'll be in the shower and I have very, very vivid conversations with myself in the shower. Um, that's <laughs> where I do my best thinking. And... <laughs> I couldn't tell you what sparked the idea, but I I remember thinking, I I want to do this, you know, I want to be have a headset on and pretend that I, you know people are calling me to fix their children because it's kind of the kind of things I, I would love to yell at my own children. But I can't because you know I'm, I'm <laughs> a normal person, um, and it's funny because. I filmed about six of them in one day because that's how I work. If I get an idea, I'm like, I have to do it. And then I'm just going to keep, I did a whole bunch all at once because <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if this is going to work or people will like it, but I'm just going to film them anyway. And I actually filmed the first couple just using my own name. And I was like, oh, I feel like I should be a different person because if, <laughs> if it's me yelling at children, people might be like, that's horrible. But if it's a different person doing it, then it's fine. Um, yeah. And then when I put the first up, uh, I don't often make myself laugh. Like I, I will do things. I'll be like, yeah, that, I think that will amuse people. But I watched it back and I laughed at myself. And I went, <laughs> well, I think people might like this. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I'm also loving that I haven't told people exactly what Jenny, Any, I can't paraphrase her. She's just brilliant. So people <laughs> can go to your Instagram and check it out. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, Siobhan. It's lovely to chat to you again. That's author Lauren Dubois. Her book is called You Will Probably Survive and you can find her on Instagram at the Lauren Dubois. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.